All right, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Mark. We'll get started this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Hey, come on in, Rich. We're just getting started. I wouldn't do that to just anybody. Just the people I really like. <laughs> and don't tell people I do that if they've never been to the church, because they think I do that to them. I don't do that to new people. You've had to have been here a week or two. <laughs> just kidding. Kind of. All right, let's all stand to our feet for the reading and the hearing of God's word. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not, shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. So the title of today's message is Children Are Different. Children Are Different. Now, I have heard other sermons on this uh, text, this topic before, and it may say, you know, the, the title may be The Faith of a Child or so on and so forth. And I don't have any problems with that. That's fine. I do believe that childlike faith is is supernatural it is something that we should strive for but i believe that there are many ways that we should be like children i think that there are many aspects of coming to christ like a child that we should consider and listen this may seem like a a message that's you know not that meaty maybe i don't know if you'll think it is or not i, I don't really care my 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 issue is is that sometimes we think for a, a sermon to be to be really good and and effective it has to be well some of you will think this way and some of you will think another way it needs to be really theologically deep and you need to use big words like epistemology or eschatology or whatever and and, th and that's fine that's, that's great we need theology and we do that a lot here and then maybe the other half of you thinks that always just needs to be light and spiffy and, and cool catchphrases and, and things like that. That's just kind of like motivational. But here would be what I strive for at least every week. I want the teaching, I want the preaching to be built on a biblical foundation for it to be right contextually whether it be historical context immediate context meaning that whatever the text that we're in is saying is that we don't want to get some other meaning and try to force it onto this text but then it needs to point and to to lead us to the cross of who christ is and what does this mean and then and then lastly and there's more this bit the bigger spectrum but bare bones is that it needs to teach us what should change in our lives to help us to reflect Christ more clearly? What can we do? How can we examine ourselves in light of what's been taught in this text 
so that we can see whether or not we are actually walking in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received. Are we being Christ-like? Are we actually walking out what the Bible is teaching us to walk out? Are we walking in the Spirit? These are different ways that the Bible tells us that we are to examine ourselves. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to read, we've read the text, but I want to, to kind of unpack the text. And I just want to ask some questions of what's going on here, maybe draw in some other texts from other places to look at the life of Christ, to look at the death of Christ, the resurrection, the ascension, to look at Jesus and to see how he emulates this. Because if the kingdom of God is made for such as these children, then we know that Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom, right? That, he, that the kingdom of God is based on who he is. And so Jesus would emulate these things as well. And so how can we learn from children and how can we learn from children to be more like Christ in order to be, to be more effective as Jesus was effective? I think, and I hope that this is making sense. I hope that we can get to the place that the Lord, I feel like the Lord has, has called me to help us to get to this morning because here's the bottom line is, and I feel like this about myself sometimes, I absolutely do, is that we just take life too seriously sometimes. Now, I would even go so far as to say we take Christianity too serious sometimes. Now, I want to be careful there because you say, you should say, Pastor Brenner, are you, are you saying that we should take our faith half-heartedly? No, that's not what I mean. I think that we can get too caught up in the ideas of men, the, the differences in, in theological perspectives, and I love theology, and there's some hills that you should die on. But I think we get so caught up in being, uh, let me say it this way, we get so caught up in being professional Christians that we forget that we are children of God. Does that make sense? Make sense? Jesus, I mean, uh, John Piper wrote a book a while back. I read it when I was in, in college. And the book is called, if you've never read it, you should get it. The book is called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. And it was a profound book. And I, this was in the middle of me studying systematic theology and studying Greek. And I'm just trying to pass. I'm trying to do well on my hermeneutics paper. And it's just like, ah. And <clears throat> there's this idea from, from many in the, um, the Christian studies major that I was taking that they, it felt like, and some would even admit that they were going to school so that they could be professional Christians, you know, ministers and, and so on and so forth. And that's what Piper was addressing, that guys, we're not, even he, he's, he's writing this book to ministers, right? But it's for everybody. He says, brothers, we're not professionals. And, and that's, that's what I want to remember as I, as the more years I get into the pastor and, and, and maybe hopefully I'm, I'm gaining knowledge as I, I keep trying to study and but I don't want to ever be a professional Christian in the sense that, you know, it seems as if I'm up here and, and a regular, no. Or you don't need to think, well, I'm not a professional Christian. I can't do. We're just Christians. We're just Christians using the, the gifts that God has given us to just love our king, to just love our God and to please him and to make him smile. See, like, you know, the professional Christians, you know, they would look down on me for saying something like that. But I don't, I don't really care. Because really, isn't that, can't we cut away everything? Is it that love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself? What does that mean? It's to just love, just to serve, just to make each other smile. 
And now we can't throw theology out the window because that helps us know how to do that. But if your theology isn't informing your action and teaching you how to love God and how to love people better, then what do you have? You've just got a bunch of head knowledge about theological perspective and positions. That's really all it is. We need both. We need both spirit and truth. So I believe that the reason I gave that little intro is that I believe we can find a lot of that right here in what it means to come to Christ, to come to God as a child. Okay? So I want to read over. It's a very short passage. I'm going to read it one more time. Then we're just going to kind of look at it and unpack it and ask some questions. Uh, Mark 10, 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked him, rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So just to give you a little bit of context here, where we are in the story, right before this, he's in the presence of some Sadducees, some, some teachers of the law, some Pharisees, and they're asking him questions. And so these are the professionals, okay? These are the professionals. To give you an idea of what I mean by professionals, okay? When I say that we shouldn't be professionals, what I don't mean is that we shouldn't pursue our art and our gift in a professional, excellent way. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, is that we shouldn't be all business all the time, right? So the Pharisees were the professionals here, and they have Jesus in their presence, and Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is talking. And just to get, make that a little bit richer context, if you understand the meta-narrative of what Jesus was doing in the way that he came and the way that he was unpacking and unfolding things about the Old Covenant, things about the Old Testament, things about Israel, things about David, things about Moses. And, and he's, he's basically giving them the interpretation, giving them the, the reality of what God was doing in the Old Testament. And to the professional Christians who thought they had it all figured out and you couldn't tell them anything, they saw Jesus as a threat. Because a lot of the times, what the Pharisees had landed on, and the way that they had interpreted the law, the way that they in, in, had interpreted the prophecies, and then and the whole old covenant, is that they had developed what was oral traditions, and they had developed these perspectives and interpretations that they had made almost as strong, or if not as strong, as God's law. And when Christ came, he started undoing a lot of that. He's saying, basically he's saying that you do have the scriptures and you're reading them rightly when you read the actual scriptures, but the way that you understand them is all wrong. And this is the way that you should have understood that. This is the way that you should read that. This is how you should be acting. This is how you should be believing. And so they saw this as a threat and they wanted to come against him. And every time they got the opportunity, about every time they got the opportunity, they would try to trap him. They would try to, to wiggle in. They would try to set a snare for him, hoping that he would walk into it, get trapped, and that he would be revealed as some type of phony or that he would be made to look um, weak or pathetic so that they could disperse his following because he had a lar large uh, following that was starting to develop. And so here in the first part of verse 10, uh, chapter 10, they're asking him about divorce. Okay, they're asking him about uh, who's... So they try to set him up, and this is the way that they try to set him up. They say, suppose Johnny gets married. Now, you know what the Bible teaches about 
uh, come, being a kinsman redeemer. If you don't know what that concept is, it's, it's kind of like you're redeeming. If, your brother, if you have a brother and he's got a wife and your brother dies and you redeem his wife and you take over so that you can keep the family afloat, so that you can save the family. He says, so, so, suppose, so say that one man is married and he dies and his brother marries his wife and then he dies and another brother marries his wife and he dies. And so, he said, when, when they're questioning him actually about the resurrection and divorce and this whole thing, when they are resurrected, whose wife will she be? You know, they're trying to trap him, right? And Jesus in this, mag now Jesus is God. He is the Logos, right? In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so they're trying to trap God, who is the Logos, with the Logos, with the Word. <clears throat> so Jesus is like, ah! you know, he's like the Bruce Lee of the Logos world, right? You cannot karate chop Bruce Lee. He invented it, right? You can't do that, okay? So here it is. They're trying to trap him, and he asks them this. He says, what did Moses command you? Basically saying, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? Well, they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you the commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. What did he, what did he do there? Now, there's a reason I'm reading this flowing into the passage about children. Is because they are trying to use the law against Christ. And, and Jesus says, what does the Bible say? And they say, well, Moses, you know, said we could divorce. And he says, he comes back and he says, the only reason that God gave you the commandment through Moses about divorce was because of how wicked you are. But from the beginning, that wasn't the law. The law was from God's principle, we should say principle rather, because it wasn't written code. God's principle was that you don't divorce. You are united as one and nothing can separate you. What God has joined together, let no man separate. So the principle is greater than the written code. The principle is greater than the law. So what Jesus is saying here is that you've developed things off of this law code that overrun and override what God actually was doing when he gave the law code and overdoing what God was doing in the created order. Now, why do I share that? He goes on to talk about resurrection. He goes on to talk about um, committing adultery. If you, if you undo all of these things, if you divorce your wife and you break the original created mandate, the principle that's up underneath it all, right? Using the law as an out. Basically what he's doing here is he's pointing out that their professionalism has removed their innocence. Their professionalism has ruined their innocence. They have an agenda now. They have preconceived notions now. They have what seems to be right in their own eyes, but in the end leads to destruction. You recognize that? He is bringing them to the place to, well, he is bringing them to the place so that everyone that's listening to this can see that these men do not have pure intentions, but that they are looking to further their wicked agendas and all while doing it with God's holy word. You see that? They have, they have become guilty. They have become manipulators. 
They have become untrusting, wicked men who seek to place under other people under their snare, under their authority in order to bring about personal gain. Now, he moves from this, this, uh, this story or this, this um, section here where he's talking to the Pharisees and he's bringing out their professionalism that has led to this wickedness. He's bringing all of this out. And where does he bring it? What does he tell them? Now, remember the context. Remember the, the story here. He's, he's in this place where he's talking to the most devout, professional, clean-cut uh, experts in the law here. You know, the very opposite of children. The very opposite. So, in, in other words, Jesus could not have used a, 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 a tool of literature any more forceful than using this illustration to cut them down to size. You remember we said this about Jesus. Jesus is the great leveler. He brings the lowly up and he brings the exalted down, right? He's the great leveler. So there would be no greater literary or oratory when he's saying this to these guys to tell these guys who are so professional that, son, unless you're like a child, you, can't, you ain't going nowhere. You know, you can see them now. See, there's these professionals. They would have had robes on, everything in its proper place. They would have had everything in its exact place where it was supposed to be and doing everything like it was supposed to be, like robots. And he says, unless you do away with all of these, at least wrong uh, motive, wrongly motivated uh, formalities, unless you do away with that and you're actually coming to me pure in heart, all of this is not only wasted, but it is going to be an indictment against you. Because though you say one thing, you completely do another. I don't have time to get into the greater condemnation that one brings upon themselves when they say one thing and do another, but that's pretty tough too. What I want to transition to now is, okay, if we don't want to be like the Pharisees, can we all agree on that? We don't want to be like the Pharisees. Everybody agree? Well, like, do like this. When I raise my hand, you raise yours. Does everybody agree? All right, thank you. Goodness gracious. All y'all failed in school, right? Just kidding. So if we can all agree that we don't want to be like the Pharisees, right? So we don't want to be looking down our nose at everybody else and always trying to, I mean, can you imagine this? One more thing I'll point out about the Pharisees. Like, and I've got this problem too. I can be Pharisaical sometimes, right? Because I, I love theology. I, I love to read. I love to, to figure things out. I, I want to know how things work doctrinally. You know, how does it all fit together? And I can get so consumed in my own mind with the intricacies of how doctrines work together. And once I feel like I've figured out, at least have a, have a decent grasp on something, I can wound a brother or a sister who disagrees with me on that instead of, even if it's true, loving them into that position and being slow and gentle and gracious with them so that in hopes that they might see the truth. So Mark says it this way, and I think it's a really good way to say it. He says there's a difference in being right and, and, and being righteous. Right? There's a difference in being right and righteous sometimes. And we have to be very, very um, sensitive about that and very slow to that. 
So we know we don't want to be like the Pharisees, always looking down our nose at everybody. We've got it figured out, always having to be the one in the room that's right, always having to be the one in the room that's got all the right answers, and I can never be wrong. Does this sound like, you know, some of us a lot of the times? Does it sound like churches in general a lot of the times? Does it sound like, you know, certain uh, teachers that you know? And you can't talk to them because they can be wrong about nothing. There's a, there's, a, there's a place for humility. There's a place for slowness. And there's a time to know when to just be quiet and just be gracious. That you'll win more, uh, that you'll win more people that way. And you'll help the truth go further that way sometimes than just being like, you know, with your truth. So if we know we don't want to be like that, let's take a look at what it means, what Jesus is saying here, when it, what it means to be a children. Just some practical stuff. A lot of you in here have children. You watch them, you know. Um, we, we know some good things about kids. We know a lot of bad things about kids, right? Um, but I, I'm, I, I think that we can see in Jesus' teaching here is that even some of the bad things are because of some of the good things. And let me, let me, let me walk that out. Okay. So what can we learn from what Jesus says to the Pharisees when he condemns who they're being like with this false sense of, of authority and this professionalism when he says, look, you guys are all up here, you know, all uptight and all like this. You need to chill out. As a matter of fact, you need to be more like a, a little kid. You need to be more like a child. Usually that's a degrading mark, isn't it? Like if I'm hanging around with Keith and he's doing something stupid, I'm like, you're like a child, Right. <laughs> That's kind of degrading, right? And he is like a child a lot, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so let's get into this and see what it, what it says. So, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. So here we have uh, Jesus is teaching these professional Pharisees. He's rebuking them. He's, he's straightening them out on the logos. They're trying to come at him in traffic. And he's like, oh, not today, not today. You I thought you got me. Whoop. You know, he's always slipping. They can never grab hold of him. I call that ninja Jesus. And then he's, it doesn't say that he left the place, you know, but it's still there in the same place, I guess, probably in the, in the presence of these Pharisees. People are bringing these kids to him, right? People, and, and crowds are packing around Jesus all the time, oftentimes so much so that he has to get in a boat and get out on the water so they can't get to him, just so he can have room to, to, to communicate with everybody. So all these crowds are packing in, and all these people are bringing their kids. Now, it doesn't even say here that these were lame children. Now, some of them may have been so that he can touch them and heal them. But in this, this immediate context, it doesn't say that here. It just says so that he could bless them. So a lot of people who had, who had witnessed Jesus' miracles, had heard his teaching, they just wanted him to bless their children. They just wanted, they just wanted their children to be in the presence of Jesus. You know, you, you see how this sermon could take like 18 years to preach, right? Because that right there is a slap in the face to every parent in the room, right? Because we're always taking our kids here, taking our kids there, doing this with our kids, doing that with our kids, making this important to our kids. But how many of us are bringing our children to the feet of Jesus? And that's not in my notes, so I, I can't take a bunch of time on it. But, you know, that, that, are, are you taking your, are, and, and at the, and at the, um, uh, combativeness of other people like everybody's fighting for your time everybody's fighting for your child's time everybody almost the whole world around you is rebuking you for taking your children to Jesus are you ignoring them and taking him anyway right and knowing that Jesus is rebuking the rebukers you, you see 
So the disciples rebuked the people for bringing the children. They rebuked the parents. And Jesus rebukes the disciples for rebuking the parents. And he's like, hold up. Don't, don't hinder them little kids. Tell them to come on. Well, that's not even my first point. That's free no extra charge. But number one, I want you to see this. Children are easily led. You see, so we're asking the question, how are the children different from the disciples? Because he just rebuked these, I mean, not I'm sorry, the disciples, the Pharisees. How are, how are the children different from the, the, the Pharisees? So he's saying, you Pharisees, you know, you think you got it all figured out, but you don't know what you're talking about. You need to be like a child. So how are the children different? Well, one, they're easily led. Very practical teaching from the context. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. So they're being brought in. The children are being led. Well, I mean, that's not complicated, right? Uh, Poppy and Jackson, where do they go? Where do they go? Where do they go? Whenever they go somewhere, where do they go? Wherever you, wherever you take them. Hey, Poppy, Poppy, do you drive? No? Can you drive? You can drive as good as your daddy can. <laughs> she can't drive a car, right? Do you know, hey, Poppy, if I told you to start walking right now and go home, would you know how to get home? You've lived there your whole life. You don't know how to get, she doesn't know how to get home, right? She doesn't know where she's going. She has to be led. Children are easily led. It's easy to lead a child, right? Now, some of you, I saw Taryn like, you, you ain't never tried to lead my child, right? <laughs> but generally speaking, in a, a, a more roundabout way, children are easily led. You, they're going to go wherever you go, right? And if they, if they wander off from you, they may be rebellious and be like, I ain't going your way. Oh, LRA does this. And I got to be careful because I'm going to take up all my time. LRA does this. I'll be like, Ella Ray, it's time to go. Let's go. She's like, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> okay. Bye, Felicia. And I'll just leave, right? And she's like, fine then. Watching me the whole way. And as soon as I go around the corner, she's not far behind, right? <laughs> she thought she knew what she wanted, but when daddy was gone and she realized, that joker ain't coming back. She did. This just happened the other day. I went and picked up Asher from a friend's house, and she ran in to play with their little girl. And uh, I told her to come on. She didn't come on, so I left. And I went around the corner, all the way around the driveway, and I just waited. Sure enough, about a minute and a half later, she comes walking out the back door. I promise you not, just like this. You left me. <laughs> I said, well, it was time to go. When I said it's time to go, it's time to go. Now. Now, I told you a while ago that some of the good leads to some of the bad, because there's bad, right? There's bad in kids, right? I never, you know, I didn't, I never tried to teach my kids how to lie, but all of them's liars, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, we're trying to get it out of them, but, you know, and, and all of y'all are too, so don't laugh too hard. <laughs> Me too. But children are easily led. They need somebody to lead them, and they will follow, right? As, especially the deeper you develop the relationship, the more trust that exists there, and the more, let's see, the more consistent you are, the more reliable you are, right? The more reliable, and now they'll give you a hard time, but at the end of the day, when the, when the proverbial stuff hits the fan, they're looking for you. They're looking for you. Now, they're trying to figure out who they are, right, and all that kind of stuff, and so they're testing this and testing that, and that's part of, that's part of life, part of growing up. 
But when, the, when, it, when it gets tough and when things go sideways, they're looking for you, right? And you need to be there. But the Pharisees, are they easily led? Absolutely not. Are professional Christians easily led? We can, I mean, I, I, I try to listen. I'm not easily led all the time. I try to be more easily led. I pray about it. And I don't want to be in a place where like, I can't learn anything new because I know everything already. That's a terrible place to be in for anybody. I don't care if you're a teacher, if you're a preacher. If you, have, if you know everything to the degree that you, you, don't, you can't learn anything, then that's a horrible place to be in because you put yourself in the place of God. That's why we can't have dialogue anymore. That's why we can't have ar fun arguments anymore. Fun arguments. We can't have good debates. We can't critique each other without getting mad, right? Because you think you're God, and I can't even question you, lest I be one of those humble peasants who are cast out from you, right? Or me, right? We can all be in that place. But these children, they're just following along. You know? They're just following along. Where are you in your walk? Jesus is trying to lead you. Jesus is trying to lead you through the word of the living God. He says, walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? If we walk according to the spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh because the two are opposing to one another. So Jesus is like, look, this way, this way, you know, come walk this way, walk this way. What are you doing? You're like, all right, Lord, <laughs> you know, you just want to, okay, God, let's do it. Let's go, you know. Or you're like, I don't think that's a good idea, Jesus. No, that's too hard. I want to play PlayStation. You know, you know are you, what are you doing? Are you following after God? Are you pursuing after God? Are you listening to Jesus when he is speaking to you through his word? Are you obstinate, right? What, what are you doing? And you might say, well, children are obstinate like that too, only when they're being pharisaical. Now, being, a, being in a childlike place is risky. As a matter of fact, I wrote out here, beside children are different, I wrote out here uh, and, and said, it's because of vulnerability. See, you know, sometimes it's scary to follow Jesus because he, he's always asking you to come out of your comfort zone. He's always asking you to give up that which you love here for something that's greater there. He's always asking you to forego the immediate gratification for the long-term glorification. He's always asking you to do the harder because it's better in the long run, right? We need to be easily led, too. Children do not have the obstacles we struggle with. Children have obstacles, to be sure, but they don't have the obstacles that we struggle with. Well, watch, look what it says right here. And they were bringing the children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the, let the little children come. Do not hinder them. What hinders the little children from coming? They don't have, little kids, they don't have agendas. Unless you give them one. They don't have schedules, except what you give them. They don't have all of these external pressures and weights that you deal with that, that keeps you from coming to Christ. They are just running with their hair in the wind like we should be doing right we get so caught up in professionalism that we lose sight of just having fun having pleasure in our lord and savior jesus christ just being in the moment right we're always worried about what's going on tomorrow does your kids work now some of your kids may but generally speaking do kids worry about what's going on tomorrow my kids don't even know that tomorrow's a word half the time i'll tell you this 
this was fun for me, right? We went, uh, me and my kids went uh, to a baseball game, then a football game yesterday. We came back home, and it was just me, Ezekiel, and Ella Ray because the other two were off. And we went to the Hare and the Hound, and we are going to eat, but they had to wait a little while. Look at that, Ella Ray. Hey, y'all sit on the steps right there for just a minute, and I'm going I'm to get y'all to help me with something, okay? And so we went to Hare and the Hound. They were busy. We had to wait, so we went up to the car show. And uh, we're looking at all the cars, and it was just fun, right? And we got them some matchbox cars, and I told Z on the way home, I said, man, when I was little, this is what I played with. I had no iPhone. I just played with matchbox cars and G.I. Joes, and I built me a, I built me a village, and they were fighting and, you know, running, jumping ramps. Well, we get home, and uh, or, uh, let me back up. When we finally ate lunch, Z's like, I would do that stuff, but I don't have any time. I just don't have time for that. And I said, bro, you played PlayStation for an hour yesterday. You've got time. You just spend all your time doing something else. And he was like, literally, he went like this and went, hmm, yeah, you're right, all right? And so when we got home, they, you know, they was opening their cars, they was playing with their cars. I didn't tell them to do none of this. I, I had to, uh, to leave and go somewhere for a minute. I went and got uh, food for that night, I think it was. But anyway, I walked out the back. And I walked out, and we got a little basketball court in our backyard. And I look, and Z now, with his cars, has gotten his younger brother, Asher, who got home and took them out to the basketball court. And they had this track set up, and they had all this stuff. And they're playing with their cars out on the court. Now, I just had told Z about the fun that I used to have, and Z told Asher about the fun that he used to have. And now they're out there doing what I told them was awesome and fun to do when I was little. They were led right into that. And you know what they were doing? nothing but that now those of you who understand know how big that is because all of you adults in here who are always trying to adult know that you hardly ever do just one thing you're always worried about tomorrow you're always worried about that phone call you're going to get. You're always worried about the next opportunity. You're always worried about somebody who's worried about somebody who's worried. And we can't just go, you know, forget all of this. I'm just having fun with my Matchbox car. These kids were coming to Jesus and they were just being blessed by Jesus. They only had, the only thing that hindered them was the people around them trying to keep them from coming to Jesus. That's it. How many of you are surrounded by things that keep you from Jesus all the time? How many of you realize that Jesus is rebuking those things in your life that keep you from him, but you continue to let them back in? Children nearly always value affection over worldly reward. It says, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And I'll say it this way is that it may seem on the surface, I'm going to get them in just a second. I know they're, they're going to get wild in here in just a second. It may seem on the surface that your kids would rather have video games and nice cool stuff and computers and iPhones and iPads and blah, 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 right? But I promise you, it may, it may take bringing them back around in the view of what's really important because they've been kind of consumed by this world if you've allowed them to be. But I promise you, they would rather hang out with you for 30 minutes than play video games for 30 minutes. And it does not matter what you're doing. 
get you a couple of matchbox cars, go out into the sandbox or the gravel in the driveway or the grass and build you a couple of ramps and they will love being in your presence for hours on end and you will have no clue what that'll mean to them. Well, how does this relate? They, they, were, they were just there. They were easily led there. They weren't worried about anything else. They weren't hindered by anything except for the people trying to keep them from coming. But then when they got into the presence of Jesus, they were just wrapped up in his arms. They were so affectionate. They weren't looking for anything else. They were just there just for him. They were just there for him. And Jesus didn't stop them. He wanted to be there with them. He wanted to wrap his arms around them. And he's saying that this right here is what it's all about. So picture this. And these kids are going to come up and help me with something. They learned something on Wednesday. I want them, I want them to show you guys. But picture it now. He had just, picture what he just told the Pharisees, right? You think you got it all figured out. But the only reason that God wrote the law that you're trying to trap me with is because of the hard-heartedness of the people who wanted a way out. And so God wrote a code so that it could be in the framework of how these things could be done. But from the very beginning, that law should have never been there because the mandate, the principle was, is that when a man covenants with a woman, that that's it. That's it. The principle is greater than the law. You're trying to trap me. You're trying to be so professional. You're trying to be high and mighty. And I'm telling you now, you've got to be like one of these vulnerable. Hey, kids, y'all come up here with me. Come up here with me now. He said, y'all got to be like one of these vulnerable little kids here who, who are so gentle and so fragile. Do you know how fragile she is? Do you know how fragile Briggs is? Although he is a whip. Briggs. If we got time, you can tell them about the garden burning down, okay? All right. Jackson, what's up, dude? Hey, Jackson's tough, but, you know, look, I mean, look how fried. Look at Jamie. Look at her. She's so light and fluffy. Just, just, she's, so, she's so gentle and fragile. She just does whatever, right? Janie, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Yeah? Why you let me pick you up like that, right? Look, she just loves it so much, right? Do you know how dangerous this is? <laughs> but she trusts me. See, these guys, y'all come on around here. Hey, do y'all remember what we did on Wednesday night? Do y'all remember? Hey, look, look, you remember what we did? What is this? Seed. Seed, yes, yes. And what is this? This a heart, the ground. Yeah, it was the ground when it's the seed. And you put the seed in. Where does the seed go? It goes down, down all the way down to the ground. And it comes back up to a tree. Right, right. Jesus is looking at these Pharisees who were like experts. They were geniuses. And they really were sharp. Now, they were corrupt. Hey, Cole, Cole, come over here, bro. <laughs> See, sometimes you've got to bring them back to reality. <laughs> What's over there that you think is so cool? So he's looking at these professional expert Christ, or experts of the law. They know every jot, every tittle, every, but they're corrupt in heart. No, just chill here with me for a minute. Dakota, Dakota, leave him alone. And he says, he says, you expert, let's get some experts. We need, hey, let's get some experts. Uh, Dwight, come up here. You look pretty experty. Tyler, come up here and help me be an expert. Michael Quinn, hey. Michael, come over here and help me be an expert. Come on. Come on, Dwayne. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, you guys stand over there and be expert as best you can. 
Hey, look at those experts over there. Hey, y'all say, ew. <laughs> Come on, look expert. Y'all too relaxed. Yeah. Okay. Now we got some uptight experts over here. Okay. Now I want you to picture this. And Jesus, listen, you guys stay right there. Don't do anything crazy. Remember, Jesus is a real dude. Like, he's just a real guy. We get these, we start reading the Bible sometimes, and we think Jesus is like this, you know, guy that floated around. <laughs> he was a real guy, right? I, I would admonish you to watch The Chosen, okay? It's not perfect, okay? And I know it's got 2CV on there, you know, whatever. But listen, watch The Chosen, and just, it, it gets the good biblical stuff right, and it just kind of fills in the gaps with just stuff that could have happened. But what it does, it'll help you to just kind of grasp that, these were real human beings, right? Jesus was a God man, but he was just a guy, right? And he was like, he was walking around, you know, I'm sure that like when he's holding a baby one time, maybe it kind of, you know, pooped on him or something. But he was a real guy, right? And so Jesus is here and there's these experts. Look, you're, look, you're lacking. Just get up. Yeah, that's fine too, whatever. There's some experts here who are like looking down their nose and trying to condemn Jesus. And he's like, look, look at these guys. Look at these guys. You know, these guys are a joke. Not you guys, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> what you need to be like are these guys. Cole, come over here, bro. <laughs> you need to be like these guys, right? These guys are where it's at. Why? Because they're just like, what you want us to do, preacher? Right? You know, I, you think they looked at Jesus like that? Like, hey, Danny, can I have a hug? Big ones, big ones. Not little ones, big ones, big ones. All right? Can I have a hug? Can you give me a hug? Could I have one, please? Ah. Elray, you give me a big hug. Don't squeeze me too hard. Not, not that hard, not that hard. No, that's easy. I'm, I'm going to die. Piper, can I have a hug? Oh, you want one first? Oh. <laughs> All right, Piper, Piper, come on. All right. All right. Listen. Okay. Okay. You see, these guys right here, you know, I would, those guys wouldn't want to hug me, and I don't want to hug them, right? Come over here. Come over here. But these guys right here just soak it up like a sponge because they're not trying to, trying to prove their point with you. They're just, they're just a sponge. Tell me. Tell me all. I'll take it. You know, take it all. Okay, now, they soaked this up Wednesday night. We did it one time. We hadn't rehearsed this. I just told them this morning to come get these kids and bring them in here. We crazy over here, right? We do it wild at the well. <laughs> What's up, man? Okay, okay, now let's show them. You, now, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and this will be where we, Jackson, don't fall off the edge, okay, Jack? Okay, hold on, hold on. We learned about the fruit of the Spirit, and they soaked it right up because they're easily led, they're vulnerable, they, and they loved just being around us, and I loved being around them, and it was fun. And if you're not volunteering at Spout, you're, you're missing out, I'm telling you, or Kidwell, whatever. All right, okay, come on, let me see your seed. So we talked about the Word of God as the seed, that goes in the gospel. Where does it go, guys? Where does it go? First, we, first we talked about apple trees and peach trees. Let me ask this. How do you, how do you guys know between the difference between an apple tree and a peach tree? What does an apple tree have on it? Apples. Apples, apples yes. What does a peach tree have on it? Peaches. Now, a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. And when we come into the presence of God and the Word of God, hold up your word, the Word of God, like this, like this. The Word of God is a seed, right? And this is your what? Your heart, yep, that's right. And the Word of God goes into the heart, 
and it goes deep down in, and then the tree of life comes up, and it's big, and then we become a tree. Now, what do we have on us? Get professionals, guys. Hey, don't let it now. Hey, what do, what do we have on us when we grow into a big tree for Jesus? What do we have on us? Apples. <laughs> we do have fruit, but what was it called? The fruit of the spirit. Good job. Good job, Briggs. You started that whole discussion, and I'll give you credit. The fruit of the Spirit. Do you guys remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Good job. Good job. Praise the Lord. Okay. So the last thing. Now, before, if a tree is cut down and it has no life in it, what is it called? What's that part? A stump, yes. All right, everybody be a stump. Everybody be a stump. Spread out a little bit. Spread out a little bit. Y'all just stumped all over each other. Okay, now, now, everybody knows. Listen, Jesus brings new life to the stumps. Jesus brings new life because the word of God is the seed. And when it's planted in you, you remember that you grow slow because you know Jesus. Okay, here's the seed. If the seed is planted inside of you, then the tree grows, right? The word of God is the seed. The seed goes into the heart. The gospel touches the heart. And the tree grows from that. And we become uh, alive in Christ. Okay, ready, boy? The seed of God goes in. The gospel goes in. The gospel goes in. The gospel is preached and goes in. The gospel is preached and goes in. The gospel goes in. Jesus died for our sins to take away our condemnation. The gospel goes in. The gospel is planted. The gospel is planted. Planted in your heart. Planted in your soul. Point being is that these guys didn't question a word of that. They jumped up in front of every one of you. They laid down on their faces before the Lord to be a stump so that this guy could plant a seed and they grew into trees. They never even asked me why. They never even said, that's weird. <laughs> right? And all they wanted to do was just hang out with us. All they wanted to do was just share time with us. Have you guys had fun in here? Yeah? yeah? You guys are goofy. <laughs> Can I have a big hug from everybody at one time? Not, no, not no, too hard. <laughs> Come here, Janie. Come on. Come on. Okay. All right. Okay. I love you guys. Hey, listen, listen. One more thing before you go, because y'all about to have to go. Go. Chill out. <laughs> Hey, hey, listen, 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 Briggs, listen, Briggs. One more thing before you go. A lot of the times, experts are lonely people because they, they drive everybody away from them because they can have no friends because they're right all the time and they can never be wrong. So can y'all go give those experts over there a hug? Go get them. Go get them. Go give them a hug. Hurry. Go. They need it more than everybody. Good job, guys. All right, y'all give these kids a hand. And the experts.
All right, love you guys. You guys go with Miss Heather. She's going to take you all back now. Thank you so much for your help. Briggs, you'll have to tell him about the garden next time. He doesn't have a garden, but he told me all about it. Piper, good job. You were? Oh, okay. You can go back with Mommy then. There she is. Nothing like a little demonstration to kind of drive something home. It just helps me remember sometimes. Jesus said, unless, and, and remember, remember that in, in, this is a historical account of what actually happened. So it would have been the same then, right? So Jesus is talking to these experts of the law that are trying to, trying to use God's word to trap God himself. And Jesus is telling them, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no clue what you're talking about. You've missed the forest for the trees. This is where it's at. And there was actually a group of kids there with Jesus, just like these kids were just here with me. And he's like, you know, don't, let, don't stop these kids from coming in here. And all these kids probably, and I, this is a little, uh, this is a little, uh, Maybe kind of looking into the text, you know, a little bit of speculation. But I can only imagine if there were actually children there. Children are just children, right? I imagine they're like crawling on him and maybe grabbing his beard and being loud. Man, how many of you saw that, that video where it was, it was, went, this went viral? There was, a, there was a preacher preaching, and he's preaching, and there was a child that cried in the audience. And like the second time it happened, the guy flipped out and told them, get that baby out of here. Like, it went viral, right? And everybody's coming against it, which they should. That's just silly. But, you know, the disciples are here, and the disciples, they've only ever seen the pharisaical side of things. They were Jews. They had learned it. They learned in the synagogues. They learned. They were, they were learning the law. They were learning Torah. They were learning these things. And this is what they had seen. And here's Jesus. He's, like, radically, radically different. And Jesus is teaching a whole nother way. And the Pharisees are over here all professional-like. The, the, the kids are like springing on Jesus like a hen on a June bug. You know how they'll do, right? And, and the disciples are kind of in the middle, caught in the middle. They're for Jesus, but at the same time, they're like, hold up. Keep these kids back. Jesus got to have his space. Jesus is about to speak. And Jesus is like, sit down, shut up. What, who, are y'all learning from the Pharisees? Y'all learning from me. Don't, don't keep them kids away. Let them kids come in here. And the kids is being all loud. Now, I'm speculating. The kids is all being all loud and, and being funny and laughing and tugging on his beard and poking each other in the ear. And Jesus is like, no, picture again. Okay, I'm drawing this to a close. Picture again. You've got the experts, and you've got the kids picking their nose and poking each other in the ear and wiping it on each other and and Jesus, in the middle of these two, like, you guys need to be more like those guys. Now tell me I'm not right in saying that some of y'all take yourselves too serious, and I do too sometimes. We think we have to have everything figured out and all our I's dotted and our T's crossed before we can actually do business with God. When God's just like, just chill out, fall down on your face, and let's do work together. Jesus is like, lay down over there on the floor and talk to me for a little while, and I'll grow, up, I'll grow you up into a man you couldn't even imagine that you were going to be. 
I'll grow you up into a woman that you couldn't even imagine that you were going to be. Jesus says, uh, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for, the, to, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter. He's looking at these guys. He's like, his disciples, Pharisees are within, within earshot, I'm imagining. The text says no, not otherwise. He's saying this in front of them. He says, listen, unless you're like these people, unless you're like these kids, you can't even go to heaven. You can't, you, you're going to hell if you're not like these kids. You understand, that's the other side of you can only go to heaven if you're like the kids. The, on, the only other alternative is that if you're not like the kids, you're going to hell. Wham, bam, right in the mouth. Unless you're vulnerable. Unless you're excited to be in the presence of God. Unless you're just ready to run and play and have fun with the Lord. Standing firm, yes, we can't throw out the rest of the Bible. But unless you are just all in, all in, have to be by his side to be okay. Have to be in his presence to be joy. Just need him. And completely, completely more concerned with your time with Christ than the goods and the services and the feelings and emotions of this world. Now that one should have hit every one of us in the mouth. I mean, most of us, we give Jesus maybe 30 minutes a day. Maybe. We have a quiet time. And I'm not just straight up, you know, against quiet times. But, like, there's something off when we say, well, I've scheduled my 30 minutes in the morning and I pray at lunch. And you feel like you've done your job. No, a continual, ongoing, intimate relationship and communication with God in every minute of every day. That's where the foundation of having, having okayness, having, uh, having you know, sanity, having joy, peace, fulfillment in the most trying times. That's where it lives, is the ongoing to continual communication with God. Now, I just want to point out for a second that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus comes as the, the child of God that would pay the price that we could all be adopted and become children of God too. Unless you are like one of these, unless you are a child of God, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, some people think that every created human being, every human being that's ever been created is children of God. No, they're not. The Bible says very clearly that only those who are born again are born and adopted into the family of God. We're not all children of God. No, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are children of God. As a matter of fact, the, Jesus tells the Pharisees that they're sons of Satan. That their father is the father of lies. They're children of hell. Only believers are the children of God. Only believers reflect the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been adopted in through his propitiatory sacrifice, which means that he has paid the price. He has bought them back. In other words, he's paid for the adoption, and you're adopted into the family of God through the righteous payment that Christ made on the cross. And when he, when he went into the grave and resurrected, he vindicated himself as God. God vindicated him as the righteous uh, servant the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world and when he ascended into heaven then he took his seat at the right hand of God as king of everything 
and you have been adopted into that family. Let me read that text for you, and this will be the last text. As a matter of fact, if you want to guys want to come on up. Romans chapter 8. Check this out. Now, I'm, I'm transitioning here, I am, to show you that Jesus Christ is son of the living God. Jesus, he says, so unless you're like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. But God's child, God's son, came down to be that child that we needed for him to be, the child of God, in order for us to be able to come in to God's family and become spiritual children, children of God. And this is an amazing truth. When we look at Jesus, we know that he, remember what I said about the, the points, is that Jesus' children are easily led. Jesus is easily led by the Father. He said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the, but the will of the one who sent me. Jesus Christ laid down his whole agenda in order to come. As a matter of fact, their agendas were one, is that Jesus said, I am not here to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. He is free from the love of worldly goods and fame. He doesn't have anything that hinders him. Jesus had nothing on this earth that would hinder him. Now, what, what, would that, what did that look like, though? It's, the Bible says he didn't have a place to lay his head. He didn't, he didn't have his, his own home. He, he was never married. He never had a political office. He had a following for a while, but they all abandoned him except for the 12. And he was thinking about them. He said, are you going to leave me too? And they said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. He never got married. He never uh, had a political office, yet he had the most impact on the entire world. He was, he was God's child. He was God's son. He didn't have anything that was hindering him from God. His sole purpose was to glorify his father and save his people. He didn't care more about worldly fame and goods than he did just having affection and intimacy with the father and with his believers. He laid all of that aside. Parents, children like parents, I would, I would encourage you as I encourage myself. Take a, time, take a minute sometimes to just ask yourself, what am I putting in front of my God? Ask yourself, what am I putting in front of my children? Am I spending time with my kids to lead them to the throne room of grace? Jesus was the Son of God. He gave up everything and would be, would be stopped by nothing to... Uh, to gain the greatest thing. He knew. He, he, was, he was not corrupted. And he was vulnerable. Jesus Christ laid himself bare. He laid it all down. So that he might gain what was the greatest thing. Some of you myself included some of us are so worried about what this person will think what that person might think what we might lose what it might cost us if we really did take Jesus serious if we really did put all of our eggs in God's basket and you know what that means you know what that tells on it's that you're not willing to be vulnerable for God. You say, God, I'll give you this much. This is what I can spare. But I need to hold on to this so that I'll be okay. God, I, I love the idea of you. And I, you know, Jesus, I call upon your name. 
I admit I'm a sinner. I believe. I confess. But just don't ask too much of me, okay? Because if I went way out there on that limb with you, Jesus, man, it might break. I can't, I'm not, I'm not willing to be that vulnerable. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, look, and I'm sorry, I, I didn't write the book. But Jesus is saying, unless you have the faith of a child, unless you're like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure there is so, such a thing as a halfway Christian. You know, Eminem said there's no such thing as a halfway crook. Well, I'm not so sure that there's a such thing as a halfway Christian. All the way in. Like a child. Do you know what would happen? Do you know what would happen if I took my five-year-old little Ella Ray out into the middle of the desert and dropped her off and left? She's done. She's completely dependent on me for life. She's completely dependent on me for any good thing, food, water. She doesn't have a job. She can't provide for herself. She is completely dependent on me. She's vulnerable. But you know what? She has no idea of that. My little girl has no clue that she's that vulnerable. She doesn't know that she can't conquer the world right now. As a matter of fact, she thinks she has. How dependent are you on God? Do you have all your hope and dreams in Him and realize apart from Him that you can do nothing? He's divine. We're just the branches. If we're separate from God, we can't do anything. Now, you might amass for yourself great wealth. You might build a magnificent house. And you might have people who love you and cheer your name. But if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. And all of that stuff... All of that stuff, listen to what I say, all of that stuff will just be fodder underneath you that will make the flames higher when it's struck by the wrath of Almighty God. Romans chapter 8. For all who are led... Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. No, no. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, you know, if I had another hour, we could do some work in that text. But the bottom line is, is that unless you come like a child, you can't actually become a child of God and enjoy all the things that children exist enjoy how many times you know we don't think about these things how many times have you had this thought and, and like you guys are adulting most of you right you know you, you you gotta pay bills you got a nine to five maybe you own your own business and you're just working all the time you're you, you you're uh, balancing your checkbook online or in your ledger whatever you're wondering if you're gonna have enough money this month 
Maybe you've got an abundance of money and you're still worried about it because have you invested properly? Whatever. You've got all of these things going on. How many of you, this, maybe, I hope this will bring it home. How many of you have had this thought? thought? How many of you have had this thought? Oh, how I wish I could go back to a simpler time. Can I see a show of hands? How many of you have thought, I don't know, I've done this. Maybe, maybe you haven't done this, but I've done this. I've looked at my children playing. As a matter of fact, I just told you a story about it. When I came by and I saw my kids playing with cars on the basketball court, I was so jealous. I really was. I was like, I remember that. Mama, it took me back to that trailer we lived in down below uh, the Bonaire Apartments. And there was a front porch. And right beside that front porch was a place where I always played with all my G.I. Joes. And, you know, I remember, I have a terrible memory, but I remember that. You know why? I did not have not one worry in the world. I didn't have not one worry in the entire universe. Do you even remember what that's like? I'm, I'm serious, dude. Does anybody remember what? I can't even remember that anymore, Harley. Just fleeting. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, you know, but in Christ, now, if you've ever experienced Christ in that moment, people ask me what it's like to meet with the Holy Spirit in a special way. I don't know what it's like for you, but all I know is, is that when I meet with God in those special times, like this is a reality all the time, but when it becomes apparent to me and I'm having a moment, maybe in my car and I'm worshiping and everybody riding by me is like, what is wrong with this fool, right? Because I'm like, Lord, you know. You ever have those times, or is that just me? If you ain't had them, you need to have them, right? Because you're missing out, right? Like, I'll be asking the Lord, Lord, just let me cry today. No, not yet. Lord, please let me cry in you today. You know, I just want to be in the presence. It's so good, right? God is so good, and when he meets with you in that special way, that's the only time that I know of that's like that time because it doesn't matter what the world is throwing at me. In that moment, it's like, Oh, isn't that good? All right, everybody with me at one time. Breathe in. We're going to all exhale. And it's a real exhale. <sighs> yeah, like Ben did it. That's what, that's what it means to be in Christ. That moment where you finally just, whew, okay. And that's what I feel when my little girl climbs up into my arms. It's like I can, maybe because I'm looking for it, because I've, I've, th I've had these thoughts for a while. So my little girl climbs up into my arms and I wrap her up. You know, I can almost always feel her go, for whatever reason, she'll just go. <sighs> and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Not only because I'm holding her and I love her and I just like love that. And I'm like, my little girl, you know. But like, that's what I feel like when I climb in the arms of Jesus, right? How many of the Pharisees, so... When Jesus got done talking with the kids, right? He's like, don't y'all stop. Don't y'all stop letting these kids come to me. You know, stop telling them that they can't come. He's like, let them come over here. And when they came over there, he talked to them, whatever. And then what does it say? He wrapped his arms around them, and he loved them, and he blessed them, right? That's kind of informal. It's kind of weird. Like the Pharisees were all like, you know, oh, you know, they're all like professional. And Jesus is like, oh, come here, you. Come here, get over here, you know? That's what I picture, right? Now, how many of the Pharisees do you think 
Jesus would have been able to go over to and like say, come here, guy. <laughs> that was a funny picture in my head. I don't know why. I'm sorry. Can you picture Jesus throwing his hand around a, 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 a professional Pharisee and be like, what's up, Tala? <laughs> you know? No, the Pharisee's like, get off of me, man. Man, look, we got to have this right, you know? Hey, be a kid. Let Jesus give you a noogie. That's gospel proclamation right there. That should be a t-shirt. Yes, it should be a t-shirt. Huh? Did you for real? Titus said he said it first. I didn't hear him. He's a kid. I don't believe him. All right, here we go. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, be a kid. Let Jesus give you a noogie. Don't take yourself so serious, okay? And spend time with your kids. Remember, they're following you, and they'll follow you wherever you go. Darkness, light, they're going to follow you, okay? Be light to a lost and dying world. Be the salt of the earth. Let's all stand to our feet. Lord Jesus, I love you so much. Fun sermon today and just fun truth coming from your word. I love my family here. I love those kids that were in here. And I just love loving everything. God, you're so good. And uh, thank you. I'm thankful for today because not every day is like this. I do worry myself and I get anxious and I wish I didn't. And I ask that you would help me with that. Lord, I know that there are people in the room right now that's probably not believers and oh lord i just pray for their soul right now i pray god that if they were hearing me talk and they really wanted that and it sounded really good to them that you would continue to work in their heart lord that you would draw them under yourself you're so loving and gentle and kind and lord there is a lot of expected out of us but thankfully that you're the one that's at work in us both to will and to work for your good pleasure so you're not asking us to do anything that you're not going to do in us and through us. I'm so thankful, God, that you don't just leave us in the desert, but you have led us beside the still waters. You have taken us to that place of green pasture. Thank you, Jesus, for the provision. Lord God, help me to trust you as, a, as my children trust me to provide for them. How much more trustworthy are you than I am? And they trust me literally with their very lives. And I'm, I'm so flawed, but God, you never fail. You never fail. And so oftentimes I don't trust you to provide for my every need and I'm out here worrying myself to death trying to make it happen and Oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for that and help me to do better tomorrow than I did today. I pray for all of my friends who here who are believers, all my brothers and sisters, but they're having the same trouble that I do sometimes, and that's that they don't really trust you to provide, and so they're out there working their tails off, worrying about everything, not knowing that you've got it all taken care of. Can you quieten their soul too? And they're under attack by the enemy, by their own flesh, God. And I pray that the Spirit right now would, in a real, 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 real way, just cut all that stuff away. That they wouldn't even know how it happened, but that they would leave this place and then say, I don't know what happened, but I see Jesus now. I feel the weight of the world lifted off of my shoulders. I breathed out. I exhaled in Christ, and it was so good. And may we remain in that place as children children of the most high heirs according to the promise heirs according to his righteous payment i love you jesus so much and i pray that this message really did make a difference in somebody's heart 
and that they would be able to live life in a way that would be pleasing to you and peaceful to them. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Please help us to do business with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and respond as God is leading you, please.